moviegoers. I'm your host, Megan Reyes. I'm Anna Fernandez. And this is Cinemascope. I'm so excited for today's episode. (laughs) So today we are talking about the new Netflix original series, The Haunting of Bly Manor. I love Hill House. I know you love Hill House. What were we expecting from this? I at first thought it was going to be something connected because, you know, the haunting, like both start with the haunting. I thought they were going to be like somewhat connected. And I, at first I was kind of disappointed that they weren't, but I really, I, I enjoyed um, Haunting of Fly House. I really, I thought it was really good. So I don't know. I was expecting a little more horror than mystery, but I, I liked it. I love it. I thought it was great. Um, I, I was also expecting it to be kind of connected um, because, and I don't know if you follow them on Instagram, but I follow The Haunting on Instagram, which is like The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor. That's kind of their official Instagram page. And so it had said like, an old friend from Hill, Hill House is coming back. Can you try to guess who it was? And I guess they were talking about the actor. I thought they were talking about a character. Me too. So I thought they were going to bring Steven back to like, do his thing with the haunted house and they did it and I was sad about it but I I liked this as its own separate entity I think it's made to be its own separate entity I don't think it's supposed to be connected to Hill House and I kind of had a little bit of a problem when they had said that this is a sequel because to be a sequel technically you do have to have the same characters and kind of like the same plot ish and that was not this it was kind of its own thing but I enjoyed it right I saw what you were talking about but I saw it on Twitter yeah I agree because a sequel usually is like connected in some way like the plot like the plot keeps going I don't really think that the plot of Hill House could have kept going I don't know I still really liked it though too um I think and before we get into the cast and everything I think something that they're gonna end up doing is kind of like an American horror story type deal Mm -hmm where they have separate seasons that tell separate stories about separate families and separate houses. Um, And I think that's kind of where this show is going. And I'm excited for that. Me too, me too. Okay, so let's talk about the cast. So we do have some new faces and some old faces. Victoria Pedretti as Danielle, Danny Clayton, who is the main character of our story. She played Nellie in the Haunting of Hill House, who I know was my favorite character. Mine too. I, I, I love her acting. I think I think a thing she does very well is anxiety. Yes. Because both of the characters she plays have really bad anxiety. And as somebody, you know, with anxiety, I like, I see, I see it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the next person we have is Oliver Jackson Cohen as Peter Quint. He played Luke. Nellie's twin in The Haunting of Hill House. Here, Peter Quint is kind of mysterious, to say the least. Yeah, I feel like he's he's a mystery for a lot of the show until he's finally explained. Right, which happens about episode five-ish? No, definitely a little bit later, maybe like seven. Um, we are only talking about episode one today so if you guys want us to do another episode on another episode of the series let us know but today is specifically about episode one the next person we have is amelia eve as jamie 
I love her. She's a gardener. She's snarky. She's snappy. Her personality really like fit the way she looked for some reason. I don't know how to explain it, but she looks like she looks like she'd be like a hands-on person. Yeah, and and she definitely looks like a sarcastic little butthead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love those types of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, the next person we have is Carla Gino as the storyteller. Um, then Tina Milla as Hannah Gross. I love Hannah. I liked her too. A lot of this is just going to be me saying, I love this, because I did. I thought the series was great. Um, Hannah is the housekeeper to Flora and Miles, who are the two little kids that Danny is taking care of. And we will kind of get to them in a little in a little bit. <laughs> the next person we have is Raul Coley as Owen Sharma. Did you watch iZombie? No, I didn't. So I know Raul Coley as Ra- Ravi Shakarbadi from iZombie, which was a show on the CW and it ended like two years ago. And I continue to rewatch it. And I thought it was nice to see him as another snarky, smoky. Oh, okay. it, it made me happy. Uh-huh. Um, you know what? I thought, I thought, okay, the names just felt, he did not look like an Owen to me for some reason. I don't know why. I feel like Miles, the little kid, looked more like an Owen, and then he looked more like a Miles. When I think of an Owen, though, I think of Owen Hunt from Grey's Anatomy. Oh, uh, I think of Owen from Total Drama. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think of Owen Hunt from Grey's Anatomy, and I, I do see what you're saying. He didn't really look like an Owen. And I think Miles looked more like a Charlie, but like you have to say it with a British accent. So he looked like, more like a Charlie, you know, yeah. like. <laughs> he did, you're right. I don't, they were, the actors were well casted though. I just felt like the names could have been changed. Right. Flora looked like a Flora, definitely. Yeah, she was very sweet. I loved her. Um, T- Tara Sheriff as Rebecca Jessel, who is the old nanny. Who's perfect. <laughs> Right, she perfectly has my heart. I know. Um, You don't get to see too too terribly much of her in episode one, but as the show goes on, you do. Amelia B. Smith as Flora Wingrave. My favorite of the Wingraves, but that's... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Not unpopular opinion? Yeah, no, not unpopular. Uh, Christy Burke as The Bride. Benjamin Evan Ainsworth as Miles Wingrave, who is Flora's brother, obviously. Uh, Thomas Nicholson as the bride's brother. Henry Thomas as Henry Wingrave, which that's another returning face. He played Hugh Crane in The Haunting of Hill House. And I I didn't like Henry Wingrave. I liked Hugh Crane. I did not like Henry. You know, I was pretty pissed off at Henry until like the last like five minutes of the entire like show I felt like. I didn't I can't peg what his character is supposed to be, which is something that I like. Like I can't peg what you're supposed to be, but I dig it. Uh Uh-huh. You know, like now that I think about it, this show really has no villain. 
Like, it, I've never kind of, like, it has no real villain. You're right. Like, there, it, it's so interesting and, like, intriguing and, like, mysterious. And it's so, like, dark, but there's not one person who's a villain. I don't, I don't want to talk about later ones because, like, it might spoil something for somebody, but there's no real villain. I didn't really think about that. I know, I just thought about that. Um, and then the last person on our cast list is Duncan Frazier as the father of the bride. Duncan Frazier, I think, also played Hugh Crane, but older Hugh Crane. I don't know. Um, and then this is directed by Mike Flanagan, obviously. But something I like about Mike Flanagan is he will, in both shows, he will have before and after, which is what I like. Do you mean like um he'll show like so like he'll like um flash back and forth? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I totally it can get really confusing. I think his thing is like make the audience so confused that they need to watch to the end to understand. And then like once you get to the end, you're mind blown. Right. Um, and we were talking about this earlier. Something that I love about Mike Flanagan is he will pose so many questions that if you do not get to the end, yeah. you won't understand anything that happened. And that's what a good director should do because it keeps the audience engaged. Right. I was especially like intrigued just to like, I I was especially in like a couple episodes in the middle episodes, I got really bored, but I kept watching because I was like, I need to see how this comes together. And I, I can't like stop now. Okay. So as usual, we will be reading through the synopsis and then talking about our thoughts as that happened. Again, because this is a TV show episode, it's gonna be a little shorter, but our thoughts are gonna be a little bit longer. <laughs> In Northern California, 2007, a woman attends a rehearsal dinner for a wedding. There, she tells the story of an au pair which dates back to 1987 in London. So that was the wedding I was talking about. Um, I thought this was set in the 90s. <laughs> wait, wait, what What time was it? 1987. I thought was it was the 90s. Pretty close. I thought it was a little earlier than that, but you're pretty close. I don't know. I thought maybe like 19, mid 1970s, I don't know, early 1980s. I originally thought the 1970s, but then I looked at the clothes and I was like, no. <laughs> <That's wrong." laughs> American transplant Danny Clayton is hired by Henry Wingrave to look after his niece and nephew in the manor in Bly. You know what I was really intrigued by? You know, I know he comes up, so I'm going to talk about him, the man in the mirror. I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want to spoil anything, but the man in the mirror, you know, the dark shadowy figure with the oh, yeah. white eyes. I thought it was really interesting how, you know, she's going to this haunted place and she's already haunted herself. Like she's not actually, actually haunted. Like she doesn't have little ghosts following her around. She has, she's had something bad happen to her and she kind of carries that baggage with her. Yeah. And I think it's nice to see like a legitimate haunting and then an emotional haunting. Mm -hmm. It was definitely all in her brain because like her, the guy in the mirror never really like, no. Yeah, nothing out of the ordinary. Well, I mean, that's pretty out of the ordinary, but like it was in her <laughs> brain. And I don't know. I, at first, I thought he was going to play like a major role. Like I thought he was going to come out of the mirror 
or like, you know, something like crazy was going to happen with them. I was really intrigued at first to like see, but then as the show kept going on or like even the episode, I was like, okay, so maybe that's not the focus of the episode. I agree with you. I really thought that's like something was going to happen with him. It didn't, but I mean, something did happen with him, obviously, because he is like haunting Danny, but it it didn't really do anything to harm her physically. It kind of shaped her as a person. When Danny arrives at the manor with the cook, Owen, Owen has my heart. (laughs) I would marry him. She meets the children, Miles and Flora, and the housekeeper, Hannah Gross. So something that I thought was kind of weird was Hannah and Miles were just standing over the well, just doing their thing. Right? I was like, like, what was going on? Yeah, I was like, are they philosophically thinking? Like, what's going on here? Is he worried about her? Is she about to throw up? Like, what's happening? Um, And then Flora was playing with a little doll. Like, about an inch big. Like, it wasn't that big. And she was just playing with it over by the lake. I didn't know what that was. Me either. (laughs) I was very confused. And again, like we said, you will be confused for most of the series until you get to the end. Or as you go on. However, it's definitely, definitely worth it to keep watching, no matter how confused you are, because you're, you're going to get so confused. Flora warns Danny not to leave her room at night, but Danny ignores this. So one of the only times I really jumped in this series was during the teapot when that went off, because the haunting of Hill House was very jump scary, but like not at the same time. It didn't just focus on jump scares to scare you. It was kind of jump scare here and there. Oh, there's a guy standing over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, also um, psychological terror. That's a thing, you know, and, and, and it kind of took all of those elements and put them together. And with this, there wasn't a lot of jump scares or psychological terror going on it was kind of just uh what is what is happening here (laughs) and with the teapot it's quiet and dark and I was thinking to myself nothing's gonna happen here something's normal is going to happen like a teapot is going to fall or something like that and I'm gonna get scared and I did so I was Uh, right you know yeah so when she was well, that's kind of what I meant when I was saying, like, how this is more, like, mysterious and, like, it felt almost like a, like a, a local, like, crime show that focused on, like, one house, like, like a community crime, I don't know how to explain it, it wasn't like that at all, but it just, like, had that vibe, like, that plot, um, but yeah, for, so for the, the teapot and stuff, I thought that something was going to be standing like by the teapot or something was going to get her when she was walking over to the shadows, Mm -hmm. but nothing happened. And then I I think that's the point where I kind of understood that nothing was really going to happen. Yeah, you kind of get that vibe very early on that nothing like too crazy happens. This one I do think was very psychological in the in the sense that like it'll trip you up. Yeah. If you know you aren't prepared for it. I think it was more the internal conflict of what, like, of like, what the hell is going on than the external conflict of, am I going to get killed? Right. Whereas I think Hill House was kind of both, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, when they went back to the house, am I going to get killed? Um, 
another thing I would like to point out before we move on, um, The Haunting of Hill House was based off a book called The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. And this one was based off The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. I'm reading The Haunting of Hill House right now, and I would also like to read Turn of the Screw. But I feel like it's going to be a good book because this was a good series. <laughs> right. And when you also compare like Hill House with um, with Bly Manor, um, you do notice that Hill House is more oriented toward because like they they're not at that like the story plot isn't at, there is so much that happens outside of the story plot of like in the house. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the whole story, the plot, like. You can't tell the story without leaving the house as we're like Bly Manor is like, you really can't tell the story if you leave the house. Right. And with the haunting of Hill House versus the haunting of Bly Manor, Bly all takes place at the house. So it's not flashing forward, flashing backward, flashing forward, flashing backward. Like it's, it's all at the house. And yes, there is a couple of flashbacks, but nothing like, like an entire episode won't focus on that flashback like Hill House did. Um, again, this isn't a sequel, so it's not going to be even remotely the same. I know a lot of people are going to be like, it's another Mike Flanagan, so it, it's got to be the same. That's like comparing Scream Queens to American Horror Story. Yes, they are both by Ryan Murphy, but they are so completely different. Um, and I think I think that's something that I had to keep in mind just because Hill House has my heart. Hill House is very special to me. Like, I can't tell you why. I just love it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things in the whole world. And I kind of had to like keep telling myself, like, like this is not Hill House. This is not Hill House. She finds many talismans spread throughout the manor, one of which belongs to the previous au pair, Rebecca Jessel, who allegedly killed herself. We are going to have to do another episode on another episode because I can't, like, just not talk about Miss Jessel. I, I, I feel like it was more, it was action-packed towards the end of the series, whereas in the beginning of the series, the plot was still developing, and very slowly, too, because they had to explain a lot, so there's not a lot to talk about. Right, and and with with that, she is such a huge part. Rebecca Jessel is such a huge part of the show. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to see a lot of her in the first couple of episodes because you, the plot is still developing. Right, she's not relevant at the moment. Hannah describes the talismans are for as a protection for Flora. When Danny stumbles in on the Lady of the Lakes talisman one night, she's locked in Flora's cupboard by Miles. I was very confused about that. The talisman definitely got me because I thought that they were supposed to symbolize like something about the ghosts. And you know, when you first see Peter Quint sitting on the, on the, what I don't know, the balcony area, you're kind of like, oh, who's who's that guy? And like, what does he have to do with his story? Is he just another ghost? And then when she actually goes up there and she finds one of the little dolls there, I had so many questions. I was like, um, why are they, why is there a doll there? What's it supposed to like? What is Flora? You know, what what would Flora have to do with this? How did Flora know exactly where the guy was standing? I had a lot of questions. So I had t- two theories. One, 
So I thought the talismans would move inside of her dollhouse replica of Fly, and they would kind of like move to symbolize where the ghosts were. Um, and then under, you know, her dresser, I thought that was like the wake, you know? Mm -hmm. um, two, I thought the ghosts kind of inhabited the talismans. So I thought mm -hmm. as they were moving, you know, like mm -hmm. she would find them all around the house and that's why. But honestly, I don't think we ever learned that. We don't. And it was definitely the first one. So like, you know, in her little tiny dollhouse, like the movement of the doll symbolized like kind of what was happening in the house. Uh, which I thought was honestly really, like, just wow. You know what I mean? Like, it was kind of like a good detail. Yeah. And I, when she got locked in the cupboard by Miles, when they told her that the key jammed, do you think that actually happened? Or do you, or do you think it was a ghost? Okay, I think, I don't really want to say this right now because, you know, I don't want to spoil anything. But I definitely think that that was not Miles. So she panics and sees a specter with glowing eyes. She is seen repeatedly in a mirror in the back of the closet. Um, we already talked about that. Yeah. She kind of shapes Danny as a person, but that's not a ghost inside of the house. Yeah. Uh, Danny is let out the closet a few hours later and the Lady of the Lakes talisman is back under Flora's dresser. Do you think that what we learn in the eighth episode has anything to do with that? I definitely think that the dresser is supposed to symbolize the lake as like the lady of lake. I had, um, to like to answer your question, yes, I think I, I think so. As for the muddy feet track through the house, again, we really need to do like a second episode on this because there's just like so much more to talk about. And and with our other, you know, TV show episodes like Ratched or our Earth to Ned, like those are kind of just episodes that are just like, you know, you can watch one episode, but this has so much. So much to like unpack. Yeah, I agree. She notices muddy footprints entering the manor, which you just said. Um, again, in episode eight, something happens that I don't want to talk about just yet, but um, those are important. And when she follows them outside, she sees Miles and Flora staring at her from the bedroom windows. And that's where the episode stops. What did you think of that? Well, what do you think of the kids so far? Okay, so I definitely thought the kids were like some type of haunted or like something was wrong with them because they were acting like the way they were standing at times where they were like standing like kind of like the emoji you know the one that's just like standing still right and straight up they were they they were acting haunted like in the the mysterious happiness and like just shade around them there was so much of it that it was like an overwhelming sort of like something is definitely wrong with them either like they know something or like something is wrong with like themselves right so I'm gonna go ahead and say something that's like I mean, it's a, it's a Mike Flanagan series and it's a haunted house. So like, you know, if you die on the premise of Bly Manor, like Hill House, you are trapped in purgatory there. So that's kind of a theme that runs through the haunting of Hill House and through the haunting of Bly Manor. So I am just going to say that. I thought that they were ghosts for a little bit. That's, I mean, I, I could see at the beginning why you would think that for sure. But... I don't, I, they just kind of give me the creeps. 
I don't know. I always think that a good aspect of a horror movie is a creepy child. Yes. I feel like kids are so much scarier when they're haunted than adults. Right. Yes. For some reason, like I see like a old, like a like a adult woman like ha- haunting, and I'm like, okay, that's like normal. But when I see a kid, I think it's because society's idea of a kid is like innocent and like happy and like right. Um, so when you see a kid that is like not not the stereotype, it's like why why that like, it just feels so much. It just feels so wrong that you're right. so. Yeah, I was gonna say that because like with I don't I don't even know what a good, you know, thing is, but with an adult, you know, you feel a certain amount of sympathy for them, mm-hmm. but then also you're just like, oh, okay, whatever. But with with a child, like you feel bad, you feel guilty. Right. And I don't I don't know, it's also just it's very creepy. Yeah, also because, like, I feel like kids are supposed to be, like, since they're so young, they're, they haven't been, like, I don't know, roughed up by society. So to see them in a position where they're, like, haunted or, I don't know how to explain, like, ghost something, like, something's wrong with them. It's just, it's scary. Like, it's it's out of the norm. And it's something about it just makes kids, like, the physical, not even, like, the emotional thought of them, but, like, the physical thought of, like, a little kid who is supposed to be so like happy and like joyful, haunted. Right, and and it's, you feel it's sad. Right, it's in their eyes or something. I can't, exp- it's, it's like, it's not only the concept of them, but their body movements and like right. the way they act. And I feel like with kids, like portraying like a scary monster is a lot easier because they're just like, okay, well, I will do that. Whereas, like, with an adult, they want to bring stuff to it. And it's just, like, right. just do what the script says. Like, come on. Yeah. Um. So one last thing before we, you know, wrap it up. What I liked the kind of opening credits better for this one than I did Hell House. And with Hell House, it was a bunch of statues falling. Uh-huh. And this one, it's a bunch of portraits of people, kind of old-timey, like Victorian portraits uh-huh. of all of the characters and then their faces kind of fade, which does have a lot to do with the story. And that I think that's what I liked about it because I had no idea what the falling statues meant. Mm-hmm. What, did, what did that mean? So I think that the, you know how at the end when um, she goes back, Nellie goes back there and she ends up hanging herself, right? Um, you know how everything is kind of frozen into stone? Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was. You know, I think, I think that both intros are supposed to symbolize, they're supposed to reflect the houses themselves and like what is inside of the house. So there were a decent amount of statues in Hill House. And you know what? I also didn't like the Hill House intro either because I felt like it was so far-fetched from like Hill House. You know what I mean? Like from the concept of Hill House, I didn't like it at all. You know, now that you say that, I kind of think, and if you guys listen to our Ratchet episode, we, me and Ray talked about how something is can be so pretty on the outside, but disgusting and horrible on the inside. And that's kind of what I think about Hill House and Bly Manor. It's beautiful on the outside. Like these are gorgeous houses, but when you look on the inside, there's so much death and, and rottenness. And I think the statues 
those are beautiful statues. They are beautiful works of art. They symbolize beautiful things, but them, you know, kind of crumbling to pieces, kind of. It's supposed to mean like, yeah, like, like evil, right? It just, it wasn't, and it was more, it, I would call it creepier than it was, it was like weirder than it was scarier. Right. I wasn't frightened at all. I was kind of like, what is going on? Yeah. It didn't fit Hill House at all. I think a lot of, like, as you guys kind of get to know these characters, they're kind of like, something is wrong and we don't know what it is, but there's something there. Uh-huh. Yeah, you definitely know, like, you have that feeling, even at, like, the very, I think that you suspect everyone at the very beginning, but, like, there's always that feeling that, like, something's messed up here. Yeah, and uh, we'll get into it in, in, at the, in the next episode that we do about this. Until then, thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week with Liv talking about a very old movie that some of you may have heard of and some of you may have not, but we're very excited to show it to you. Please be sure to check out Anna and Liv's other podcast called Seriously Ridiculous, where they talk and rant about Harry Potter. We will see you guys on next week.